Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro. And in the spirit of summertime, which we're right in the middle of here on the East Coast of the U.S., my guest today is perfect for getting you in the summer mood. He's a writer and a sailor, and he lives on his sailboat these days and writes books. I mean, what a life, right? So let me tell you a little bit about him. Paul Trammell quit drinking in 2015, quit smoking marijuana in 2016, and changed his life completely. His first book, Alcoholics Not Anonymous, A Modern Way to Quit Drinking, describes the method he created for himself to get sober, a book that's actually helped hundreds of people, maybe more, get sober. He used the money he saved from not drinking to buy a one-week sailing class and soon after bought a 30-foot sailboat, which he sailed alone for a 1,000 miles from the west coast of Florida to the east coast. This became the subject of his second book, Becoming a Sailor. He now lives a nomadic life, sailing, writing, and chasing his dreams wherever they lead. He's written and self-published 10 books. The most recent is Until They Bury Me, a psychological thriller, which I can't wait to listen to. We talked about a lot of things during this podcast, writing, of course, and how it became the thing that drives him every single day as he's out on the water. But we also talked about life and creativity and designing your own existence, which I just love to talk about, right? Because so many of us end up doing the things we quote are supposed to do versus what we actually want to do. And as Paul talks about, life is too damn short. So he talks a lot about designing your own life in this conversation and I love it. And I hope you do too. So this is really fun. You're going to get a glimpse into a really cool lifestyle. I found it fascinating. I really hope you do too. I mean, what writer wouldn't want to be on the ocean all day writing your masterpieces? So let's get into the conversation. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is fun. You're out on a boat in the middle of Panama right now. Is that correct? I am. This is uh, the inside of my sailboat where I live and uh, it's a 40-foot, it's a Cartwright 40, it's a 40-foot monohull, and I'm in Bocas del Toro, Panama, anchored right next to Isla Solarte, and it's a beautiful place. Love it. I love it. So we're going to talk about all this, but you had a moment in your life when you changed everything, and you sold everything, and you got on a boat, and you sailed away, and now you write, and you sail, and it sounds very cool, but take us back to that moment when that transformation started. Okay. Um, so, gosh, for probably 20 years, I lived in St. Augustine, Florida. I think 23 years I lived there. And my whole dream was to be a musician, you know, to be a professional touring, gigging, original music in a band uh, musician. And, and I was, um, never made it big, but 
But I chased that dream hard for 20 years, but we also partied hard. We, I'm talking about my band, it was me. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to blame it on them. No, I partied hard. Uh, I was like, the, I was kind of the ringleader with that too sometimes. But um, I was a hard drinker and a pot smoker and just, just living the life, enjoying myself. But, but um, also letting, the, you know, letting the, the alcohol and the weed have, have their way with me. And eventually I, uh, well, this, this is how I quit. I quit, but I, I ran into a friend at a party who didn't have a beer in his hand. And I said, Hey, Jim, uh, you want a beer? I had like a whole cooler full of beer next to me. And he said, no, no, thanks. He goes, I quit. I've been sober for a year. He says, I'm like, holy cow. I said, Jim, how'd you do it? And why'd you do it? And he said, well, my brother's, my brother died. He goes, my brother drank himself to death. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and as I, and I kind of knew what had been going on there. His brother was having problems and, um, you know, he died a long, slow death of, of the, of the severe alcoholic at 40 years old, 40. Wow. Now I was 44 at the time. So it really hit me and I had a terrible next day with hangovers and, and, um, just, it was just a bad, really bad day. I skipped work and I thought about it and I thought, you know, what? I'm just going to, I'm going to quit. This is it. I'm not going to let myself fall any further than this. And, uh, I scheduled an appointment um, with actually with Jim's ex-wife, who was a counselor. I scheduled an appointment with her, and and I told my brother I was quitting, and asked him to check up on me. And I just made it happen. You know, I just powered through. It was my third third attempt in my life to quit drinking, um, and I stuck yeah. with it. I'm eight over eight years sober now. Congratulations! That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, it changed everything. Changed everything with my life. Yeah. So then. Were you already thinking about writing or how did you get from, from where you were to writing and sailing? Yeah. So writing has kind of always been a goal. Um, I mean, it's another art, like the big, the big goal with me wasn't just music. It was more generally, it was art. I wanted to be a professional artist, you know, to make my living creating art. And, uh, I was, I had, I had gotten pretty close with in, uh, oil paintings and I got pretty close with music and my brother is an actor. And I went on a surf trip with him once and with him and some of his friends and two of his friends were writers and, uh, and they were, you know, we're in El Salvador surfing and they've got their computers and they're, they're sitting by the pool after surfing and they're, they're writing. And I'm looking at him thinking, yeah, these guys can work anywhere. They're not stuck to an office or a job or any, or any geographical location. They can be anywhere in the world and write. And I really started thinking, and like, that's what I want to do. Like, I need to be a writer. And, and I, I had been writing. I knew how to write, and I'd written short stories. But anyway, while I was getting sober, I was posting uh, on Facebook all about what I was going through. And, and strangers, lots of strangers were asking me for advice. And I started compiling that advice and putting it together and thinking about it. You know, and their questions constantly had me thinking, like, okay, how do, how do you get through this situation? How do you deal with this feeling? And eventually I wrote my first book. Uh, which is called Alcoholics Not Anonymous. And it's all about the way I quit drinking, which was I didn't go to meetings. Um, and uh, it was all about not being anonymous, you know, getting out and telling people and asking people for help. And, and um, that's what worked for me. Did you do that kind of in, in public settings? Or was it mostly on Facebook? Like, how did you really embrace that idea of not being anonymous? Yeah, mainly on Facebook. But, um, but also, you know, whenever anybody asked me about it, I, w- I would, I wouldn't like make some excuse not to drink. I would just say, I quit. I quit drinking. I don't drink anymore. I quit, you know? And, and, um, that was kind of my, my strategy. Be open about it. Talk about it. Let everybody know. And then you're accountable to everybody that you said, I quit drinking to now you're accountable to them. And if you start again, they're going to know, and you're going to feel foolish in their eyes. If you don't tell anyone, you can just start drinking again. And there's no repercussions. There's no social re- repercussions if you don't tell anyone. So you're really setting yourself yeah. up for failure if, if, you, if you don't tell anybody. If you just go to AA meetings, for instance, and, and, and nobody knows who you really are, you can just quit going to those meetings and, and start drinking again. Well, maybe your sponsor is going to get on you, but, but he's not like one of your friends. He's just some guy you met at the meeting, right? So, but if you got your brother calling you every day asking if you're still sober, you don't want to tell him, oh, yeah, I started again, but it's going to be okay this time. You, know? <laughs> you, you yeah. got to be accountable to people. That, that's what worked for me. Yep. So you definitely seem to have this um, 
affinity for chasing dreams, making stuff happen versus taking the path of least resistance, the things that other, you know, everybody else is doing, whether it's working in an office all day or going to an AA meeting, cause that's what you're supposed to do when you get sober. So what, how do you talk to people about like this whole idea of following your passion and not, not letting just the, what everyone else, what society expects kind of have their hold on you? Yeah, uh, I often say don't ever do anything just because everybody else is doing it. Uh, and that, that, goes for, that goes for everything, you know. I mean, it's easy to look around and say, well, everybody drinks. Why shouldn't I drink? If, what if you're around people who, who shoot heroin, you know? It's going to seem normal. You're going to shoot heroin too? Uh, you know, just, so just because everybody around you is watching TV and eating cookies and drinking Coca-Cola, like, you don't need to be doing that either. You, you know, you think about what you want to do. It's important to spend time thinking about what makes you happy. Uh, I think that's kind of something that people don't do often. It's not common enough. It's people don't think about it and talk about that. It's extremely important. You don't want to just go through life thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to get a regular job. I'm going to have kids, get married, have a house, you know, a dog, uh, career job. I'm going to retire when I'm 65. And I mean, if that's what you want to do and that's what's making you happy, then do it. But don't do that just because you think you should do you do spend time thinking about what makes you happy, then make a plan to start doing those things and make a plan to design a life that's going to make you happy. And, uh, and that's a difficult thing to do. And it takes, it takes a lot of thought. It's, it's a long-term project. It's a multi-year project just to come up with a, a plan just to find out what it is you like doing that you want to do. And, you know, I finally figured it out. I want to be a nomadic sailing author. And here I am. And it's fantastic. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. This is such a good life. It's not a life that everybody would enjoy, not by any stretch. I mean, it's not a life that even 1% of people would probably enjoy. But, but for me, it's perfect. I love it. That's amazing. So did, was sailing always a part of this equation or was that something that came up after or, you know, how did that, how did that come about? Sailing was kind of a, a long childhood dream. Uh, my dad took me sailing a few times offshore to the Bahamas when I was a kid. And so I always had those good memories. I dabbled in it when, when the opportunity struck throughout my life. You know, once every couple of years, I'd, I'd see myself on a boat. But I wasn't a sailor. While I was getting sober, uh, one of my strategies is to find substitutes, um, not just physical, like, things to put in your hand and, you know, non-alcoholic drinks to drink, you know, is one, but, but substitutes for what alcohol and partying, um, the voids they left in your life. When you quit, you've got voids. Like you lost all those friends, you lost all those activities. You've got all these deep voids. Well, one of them was excitement and fun and thrill and adventure. Um, you know, I, I loved playing a gig and then having an after party at my house and then having a bonfire and then sometimes we'd break out the boxing gloves and, you know, we'd just get wild and crazy and have a good time. So that's all gone. And you're just like sitting at home like, geez, what are like this? This is pretty boring and compared to all that. So I thought, well, it occurred to me like, yeah, well, you don't you don't go camping anymore. When you were younger, you used to go hiking and camping and canoeing and do all these cool things outdoors. You need to get back into that. So I ended I found myself on a five day canoe trip through the Okefenokee Swamp in, in uh, Georgia. Five days canoeing through absolute wilderness with alligators all over the place, uh, camping on these platforms all by myself. Platforms that the alligators could crawl up onto. It was pretty scary, actually. Um, oh, in fact, there was an alligator <laughs> on one of the platforms when I arrived. Um, you know, and you're like, oh, great. Now what do I do? Uh, yeah. But anyway, it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it sounds adventurous, but terrifying. not so much yeah, fun. It's pretty scary. A lot, but, but I had a great feeling on the second day as I was canoeing to the second platform. And I thought, like, deja vu, like, what does this remind me of? I'm having a wonderful feeling right now. I'm, I'm on the water. I'm, I'm moving. I'm kind of nomadic. And it reminded me of the first time I saw the ocean without being able to see land when I was on a boat. Looked all around. You got a 360-degree view of ocean with no land in sight. That's a wonderful feeling. And it was something that, that reminded me of that I remembered. And that moment in the swamp reminded me of it. And it was like a light bulb moment. It was a, it was a moment of insight where I said, I need to be a sailor. That's what I need to be. That's got the adventure that I'm missing right now. Uh, it's, it's got the nature. I'm not, I, you know, my whole life has been cut off from nature and I need to get back to it. 
And then on top of that, when you when you're on a sailboat, you're away from all the liquor stores and the bars. And 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 I sail by myself. I'm a solo sailor. I've got no temptation. Nobody's offering me a drink. I'm not I'm not buying gas at the gas station where they also sell beer or, or, or liquor too. I mean, geez, some of the some some gas stations in the south sell liquor. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. When you go into a, I mean, what a, what do gas stations sell besides addictive drugs? That's it. They sell yeah. alcohol, yeah. cigarettes, lottery tickets, and junk food. That's it. That's all they yeah. sell. It's crazy. Yeah. And, the, and that's like where we, we all go to those things all the time. It's, it's nuts. So I don't have that in my life whatsoever anymore. That's, that was one of my problems. I'd buy gas and I'd buy a beer and I'd drink the beer while I was driving my truck. You know, and, and, I, and then I'd go by the liquor store on the way home and get 12 more beers and I'd drink 10 of them that night. And I'd wake up with a hangover and show up to work late the next day and smoke some weed to take the edge off the hangover. It's a, it's a tough. <laughs> so I don't have any of that. Yeah. You know, I'm not tempted with weed. I'm not tempted with alcohol. I get to design design my own day out here. I get to work on the computer. Um, I got Starlink now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's. This is where I need to be. Very cool. So, but you had like literally sold everything, bought this boat, and just took off. Is that true? It is. Uh, this is my second sailboat. I bought uh, a smaller, uh, less expensive, easier to learn how to sail on boat first. Uh, that was in 2016. Um, I bought that boat and, and basically taught myself how to sail on it. I took a class too, but I, I, um, sailing class was my one-year reward for sobriety. I, I took the money I'd been saving from not buying beer every day and bought a one-week sailing class. And then later that year, bought a sailboat. And then I wrote uh, the first book I mentioned. I wrote a second book called Becoming a Sailor about, about my adventure sailing that first boat a thousand miles single-handed offshore. Uh, not, not really sure if I was going to be able to do it or not, but I was going to try and I, I pulled it off. And well, that book started selling and I thought, oh man, this is incredible. Like, like strangers are buying a, a book that I wrote. It's pretty, pretty wonderful. And uh, so I did, a, I did a trip to the Bahamas in 2018, and I wrote about that too, and that's called Journey to the Ragged Islands. Well, those first three books started selling, and then by the end of 2018, they were making enough money that I thought, okay, this is, this is something I could do. I could actually live on the boat and sail and quit my job and make, and make a living. And uh, so I started making a plan for that, and by... October of, or by summer of 2019, I sold my house and I had gotten rid of all my stuff. And by October of 2019, I bought this boat that I'm on now and I've been living on her since. And I, and I don't own anything on land anymore. I sold my truck. I got rid of all my, I got rid of the tools that I don't have on the boat. I, I was a carpenter, so I had a lot of tools you know, and a musician. God, I had like 10 or 15 guitars and rooms full of amplifiers. I had, a, I had so much stuff to get rid of. That was one of the hardest things to do. That was, a, that was a big lesson as well. Like if you live in a house, you're going to end up over the years with a whole bunch of stuff. And that stuff is going to yeah. make you stuck to that house like an anchor. Yeah. So if, if you want to pull the plug you, and, and live as a nomad, you got to get rid of all that stuff. And you don't need it. You don't need, you don't need all that stuff. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not a burden when you're, when you're in the house, but it means that you can't live any other way unless you get rid of it. Yep. That took okay, me for sure. a year. That's so cool though. It took me a year to get rid of all my stuff. Yeah. And a lot of bonfires. Jeez. I had like a <laughs> bonfire going in the backyard. I mean, I had a garage full of wood, <laughs> file cabinets full of papers, all many, many years worth of IRS stuff just burned. I'm like, I don't need, man, if the IRS wants to audit me that far back, it's, they're out of luck because it's burned. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So, all right. So now you're on the boat and now, so you're writing about sailing, but you, you also wrote um, another book about sobriety. So what were you kind of discovering as you were writing and sailing and kind of thinking through personal growth and, and this journey that you've been on? Yeah. The, the very first book I wrote um, is very short, you know, but to just, just like here are the steps I took to get sober. And I wanted to, to write something a bit more in depth. And uh, so my fourth or fifth book that I wrote is called The Joy of Living Clean and Sober. And uh, that one I put a lot of time into research. I read a whole bunch of other books about alcoholism. Um, I read medical reports and, and uh, compiled all kinds of data and talked to people and thought more deeply on it. And I wrote, and I wrote a much more in-depth book 
that's that that'll both help someone get sober uh, or someone who's already sober it'll help you to stay sober it's it's a it's a reinforcing kind of book um and uh, that's that's been selling and getting good reviews too and yeah cuz when you're out here on a boat by yourself you've got all kinds of time to think and to meditate and and ponder life and and think about um what what you want to do with yourself and and uh my gosh just i mean just everything so and i'm always trying i'm always writing like i like now i'm just i'm just on the ball i'm always working on multiple write book projects i, I like to have a, a fiction and a non-fiction project going at the same time at all times uh because we get sick i mean i'm sure you know you, you just get sick of one and you can't stand looking yeah. at it anymore you know you've written it and you're yes. on the fifth you're like on the sixth <laughs> time you've read the book the 10th the 12th time you've read the book 12 times and you're like i cannot read that book for two weeks <laughs> you know it's gonna be two weeks yeah. later from now maybe i'll be able to edit that thing some more so so you just go to your other project and you're like oh yeah fiction here's this you know novel i've been writing that's much more fun you work on that until you get sick of it and go back to the other one so i've written yeah. three novels now now and um which are much harder to write than nonfiction. holy cow much much more difficult but but fun yes yeah so this is really interesting to me too so you've gone from writing about sobriety and sailing to thrillers and i love this because i'm you know a mystery writer and so how like did was that something you always wanted to write or did you just kind of get an idea when you were out sailing uh so i'm always reading not only reading other books um i love classic literature i love sci-fi um, I love any any really well well written book, whatever genre it's in. If somebody says this book's great, I'll I'll read it. You know, whatever. I don't care what genre it is. I don't care. Um, uh, you know, if, if it's a male or female author, I don't care if it's male or female characters. Like, I mean, gosh, one of my, I read the book uh, Little Women by Louise May Alcott, and I loved it. It's like about three little girls growing <laughs> up in England or something. You know, it's like you think a guy who lives on a sailboat's going to enjoy that? Well, yeah, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> but anyway, I was reading um, Stephen King's book on writing. I used to read a lot of Stephen mm-hmm. King when I was a kid. So I'm reading on writing, and he's talking about you know don't don't be afraid of offending people. Just write whatever's inside of you and that wants to come out. Um, and and, uh, and I'm, I'm loving his book. And I'm I'm visiting my parents. My boat is is uh, I'm spending a month away from my boat, and I'm visiting my parents and my sister. And I'm in the car with my dad. And we're in a parking garage where is their apartment? They have an apartment, or they had an apartment at the time. And uh, and uh, he points at this black SUV, a big black SUV that's covered in dust in the parking garage, and it's it's double parked. It's like parked right in the center of the line, like it's it's like centered up two spaces, <laughs> and it's covered in dust. It's like it's been there for a long time. And Dad says, "Yeah, that truck has been been there as long as we've been here." It's never moved, he says. It's a nice truck. It's a Hummer. It's a nice black Hummer. And so I thought, oh, that's that's you know that's quite a story. Like, why hasn't it been towed? You know, why haven't the the residents been up in arms about it, taking up two spaces like that? Well, I, my first thought was that yeah, it's like a truck that belongs to the CIA or the mafia or something. You know, it's above the law, obviously. So I wonder if I can make up a story about that. Well, like wham, like within within a, the time it took for us to drive my niece. You know, my, my father's granddaughter to school, which is what he was doing at the time, and get back. I had a story in my head, and then it rolled into it just it just snowballed. It just snowballed and it rolled, and uh, I quickly wrote it down. I wrote down the outline, and and that became that became the my latest novel until they bury me, and uh, and that and that book is d- dear to my heart. Um, it's it was extremely cathartic for me to write it. It was something that was in me that needed to come out, and I, and I can't really get into the details why without putting other people uh, i can't say too much about it let's just put it that way because of other people that i don't yeah. want to hurt but it's a book that's dear to my heart and was cathartic and, and fun to write and um and it really like drew emotions out of me i think you feel that in the book and and it's a thriller and a yeah. mystery and it's it's about mental illness and violence and drugs and, and life in the city for someone that's never that's never been to the city and uh the you know organized crime and and then you get to the end and like, you know, people have told me that, yeah, like 
I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And then all of a sudden, wham, you know, you, you get to the ending and it all, it's all pulled together and, uh, and, you, and you're surprised. And I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed writing it. I'm enjoying just talking about it right now. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm getting like, that's awesome. I'm getting like <laughs> feelings again. Yeah. No, like that's child, awesome. No, that sounds like great. A child I've let out onto the world and I'm talking about it, talking about my kid that I'm proud of. Yeah. So going back to what you said about, you know, reading Stephen King and kind of taking that advice of just let things come out of you. So how, like, have you found that just the difference in your lifestyle opened up more creative avenues for you? Like, are you able to write more easily now than you were before? Oh, I couldn't write before I got sober. Um, I could barely read. That's one of the things I noticed. Um, I wasn't reading anymore. You can't read, mm. you can't, um, retain what you have read your reading comprehension is is piss poor when you're stoned particularly it's terrible like you, it's like you can't even you can't read when you're high you can you can physically read words but by the time you get to the end of a paragraph you've your short-term memory is so impaired that you don't that you've already forgotten what the beginning of the paragraph was about so there's no like people who smoke a lot of pot don't read books and and I I've yeah. always been a reader, but the more I, the more weed I smoked, the less I read. And of course, when you're drunk, you know you're you're seeing double by the time you go to bed, and you can't you phys- physically can't read when you've when you've got twelve beers in your in your system. You you know you're you're just passing out. You're not even you're not even sleeping. You know you're passing out. God, what a what a horrible uh, unhealthy lifestyle that is. So I certainly couldn't write. Um, there was no writing. There was. No writing during the worst parts of my my alcoholism and, and, and pot smoking. Um, when I was younger, when I was still in college, I used to write short stories. Uh, but I didn't write anything for, for many years Yeah, when I was drinking. But I was writing music. I was playing music and I was writing music. I was being creative. I was, I was producing music. I was producing paintings. Um, and yeah, you, trick, you fool yourself into thinking, yeah, you know, the weed is good for creativity. It's... Uh, Gosh, it just tricks you. It gets into your mind and starts tricking you, and um, you start thinking that it's that it's actually good for you. I mean, you talk to people who smoke weed all the time, and they'll tell you that it's good for it's good for their brain. They'll say, you know, it's uh, it's, it's just a, it's just an addictive drug that gets in your mind and starts lying to you. And it's it, it is addictive. It was harder to quit than alcohol. So why do you think it was easier? Easy? Well, I don't know if it was easy, but why do you think you're able to write music, but nothing else? That's interesting. I don't know. I could write. I could write music when I was high. I mean, I, drink, smoking weed and playing music were always hand in hand, as was drinking. Yeah. Um, and I was able to write music, and I was able to remember the songs I'd written. Um, yeah, I guess weed doesn't impair that part of your brain. It's funny because it impairs the math part of your brain like extremely. Like you can't you can't do even simple math when you're when you're stoned. But you can play music and write it and remember it. So that that doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense because music is math. You know, music is yeah. is mathematical. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a f- funny. Our brains, who knows what goes on inside of our brains, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Okay. So as a fellow mystery writer, I'm interested in how you write your thrillers. Do you, do you plot them? Do you just kind of do a download and start writing? Like, how do you work? Um, this last book, uh, I plotted. Um, I mean, when I say I plotted, I probably used four pages in a notebook. Um, so it wasn't like it wasn't plotted to to a degree that it, that it could have been, but I, but I had a plot, and that's just because the plot happened before the plot happened in the car with my dad. Like it wasn't like I'm going to write a thriller. Okay, what's going to happen? Hmm, you know, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh my gosh, here's the story. I just it just came into my head. Now I, I got to write it down. You've, the plot's there, like write it down, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it it grew and changed quite a bit. There were you know major subplots that are that are that come that came about as I was writing. Um, of course, that happens a lot, you know. And I didn't have the ending all worked out. Um, I had I had kind of what's going to happen in the end, but but not the not what ended up happening. And um, so it was a combination of the two. Um, the the first novel I wrote was was based 
It's called Dead Flowers on Wednesday. It was based loosely on my band's first tour. So I, so I kind of used events that actually happened and then, and then just elaborated and fictionalized them and exaggerated. And uh, that was fun. That was a fun project because we already had this wild and crazy good time tour in, in, a, in a school bus that had been converted to a tour bus that ran on vegetable oil that we, that we took from the used vegetable oil <laughs> tanks behind restaurants. <laughs> at three in the morning after our gigs. <laughs> well, at least you didn't have to go to gas stations. We never went to a gas station. Yeah, so we already had this cool experience, and I just fictionalized it, and that's my first novel. And then the, the second one, I just kind of had a vague idea of the gold box. You know, I spend a lot of time uh, spearfishing in the Bahamas, and I'm always looking for treasure, too. You know, I'm always hoping to find—I haven't found anything yet, but I'm always hoping to, like, to find a piece of gold— and of course, that gets you wondering, well, what are you going to do if you, if you do find a piece of gold? Like, like literally, what are you going to do? Like, you, obviously, you take it, but, and then you're going to want to go back and keep looking for more. But what if you find a bunch? Okay, well, you're supposed to go tell the Bahamian government. And then, and then what? You, you, know, you, don't get, you don't get to keep it. You know? <laughs> and what if you've got friends with you? What if you're spearfishing with a friend and you find a piece of gold? Are you going to tell them? Like there, all these questions start arising you know, when you start thinking about it, and um, so I just I wrote a book about that, that addresses all that. And then of course I, I didn't I didn't plot that one at all. I just it was just like okay, what's going to happen today? You know, I sit down and start writing, and uh, you know what's going on in the story today? What needs to happen? Uh, that yeah, there was no plotting whatsoever in that book. But I think plotting is mm-hmm. useful. What what do you do? Do you plot? Yeah. So I'm, you know, I was always a pantser until, um, I had real deadlines and then I realized that that wasn't really working for me, especially after I, you know, I tried to fight through it for a while and just convince myself that was the way I, I just wrote and I just needed to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I ran into a problem once and I was very close to my deadline and I needed a friend to help me untangle it. Um, so we replotted the whole book and I got the book done. And then I swore that from then on, I'd be plotting at least a little bit. So I'm kind of a mix now. Like I don't plot out, I have friends who plot out like every single scene before they start writing. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like to have kind of a roadmap of where I'm going, a general overview. I've been trying to, you know, put a number of scenes on little sticky notes and put them on a board and, you know, kind of add to it as I go along. So it's still kind of a work in progress, but, um, I'm better than I was at not, at just not sitting down and hoping that the words are going to come. Yeah. I, I, I tend to, I mean, at this point, I tend to think that the more plotting you, you can do the better. Um, but, uh, there's gotta be a mix, obviously. Um, yeah, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a mix of being creative while you're writing. Yeah. I just don't have the brain to, um, to know everything. So, cause even I'll get through probably maybe a good half of the book and then I, I just can't, like I have to start writing and, and kind of see what's happening and where it starts going before I can figure out that last half. Yeah. Yeah. That makes good sense. Yeah. But that's cool that you just, it seems like you do something different every time. So, all right. So tell me then about your days. Like, do you have a set time that you write or like, or, or do you just kind of write when you feel like it? Uh, let's see. I have, um, I have days when I do very little, and then I have days like today where the, where I started at 6 a.m. and it's now 4:30, and, and like I'm just on today. You know, today's a work day. I'm gonna work all day. Uh, we know when we get done, I'll probably do some more work. And then I have days when there's like here in Panama when there's surf. Like okay, I'm today I'm surfing. You know, I get up early, I surf for four or five, six hours maybe. Come back, I'm exhausted. I eat, I get very little work done on that day. So it's kind of like if there's something going on, I might not have time to work. Uh, if I'm if I'm actually sailing, I'm not going to be writing too much unless I'm writing a sailing book at the time, in which case I'll be taking you know lots of notes and I will be writing it. <laughs> so it's variable. Yeah. I do have I have a daily routine though. Um, I get up uh, at about five a.m. usually, somewhere between five and six, but usually around five. That's about an hour before sunrise here, and um, I'll make coffee. I'll go sit up on the deck of my boat and I'll spend a half an hour doing yoga and then I'll spend another half hour uh, either meditating or lately I've started doing breathing exercises for free diving, free dive training, breathing exercises, but it's, but it, holding your breath is requires meditation. So they kind of work together and then I'll eat breakfast 
And while I'm eating breakfast, I bust out my Kindle and I'm reading whatever book I'm reading. And then I get to work. And work has been as much marketing as it has been writing lately. Um, that's kind of one thing I've realized. Like, okay, I've got 10 books published now, 10. And people read them and people like them and people give them good reviews. Okay, so they've got to be decent books. How come I'm not making more money? <laughs> because I haven't been yeah. marketing. I don't know. I'm not a marketer. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm barely a writer, you know, like I'm just getting that part figured out. Um, I'm self-published. So it's completely up to me. So this, this year I've decided like, okay, I need to actually learn how to market at least a little bit. So I've been spending time doing that, you know, I put together a newsletter recently. That was my most recent project. Um, you know, I'm on social media posting stuff all the time. I'm, uh, doing anything I can to try to figure out how to, how to better market my books. Um, so yeah, I don't have really a set time to write, but it's more, it's more like if there's no surf and I'm not sailing, then I'm going to, I'm going to be writing, uh, or marketing or podcasting. It's going to be like all day days. Today's a work day. If there's something fun to be, to be done, then I'll be doing that. You know, and if I'm in the Bahamas, it's usually like work until about 11 spearfish from about 11 to one and then eat whatever I speared and then work some more and then watch the sunset. Cause gosh, sunsets, I catch every sunset and every sunrise. That's kind of one of my That's goals, awesome. you know, like I, I, I'm living out here in nature, you know? Yeah. What, what about you? Are you, do you, are you in charge? Are you responsible for your own marketing or do you have a, a team of people behind you that do that for you? So I have, a, I'm traditionally published, so I do have a publisher that does some marketing. Um, but I think, you know, every writer will tell you, regardless of how you're published, that a lot of it falls on you. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm, I'm like you, I'm not, do, I mean, I do, mar also marketing is my day job. So I do that for a living too, but oh. I'm terrible at doing it for myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I kind of like to think it's going to get taken care of, but it, it's important to show up and, and, you know get out there and get in front of people and do what you can for yourself as well. Even if you do have publishers doing some things for you. All right. So, so I've got a newsletter now I've got a website, I've got my, my podcast, yeah. I've got Facebook and Instagram. Um, what else, <laughs> what else is there that I should be doing? What else? I mean, I, so your podcast is about sailing at the moment, at the moment, right? Yeah. My, my podcast is sailing and, and, half of my books are about sailing too. So that's kind of how that starts. Yeah. Why that, that's why that podcast started. That's why I started it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Cause you've got your, your niche audience built in right there, but you know, as, as much as you can try to get your podcast out there even more, like I'm, I'm in that process now of trying to, you know, figure out what to do next to make the podcast grow. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can share tips if we figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My, my sailing podcast yeah. is, 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 is popular. It's, it's, it's one of the, one of the most, um, it's one of the top sailing podcasts, but that's a pretty small niche audience. Um, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm about to start a new one though. I'm going to start a new, more, more broad podcast where I can interview anybody I want. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I'm hoping we'll, uh, bring, bring more listeners to get my name out there to more people. Yeah. And I definitely would say, so you're writing thrillers now. So look into, I, we may have talked about this before, but look into, um, the sisters in crime organization. Oh yeah. They're amazing. Um, and that's definitely a way to, you know, start making connections and, you know, there's opportunities to get your name out there with that organization. Cool. And plus, you know, you'll, you'll get some sense of community. So I'm, I am wondering if you, if you miss any kind of community in that sense. Yeah, of just being out there by yourself. Uh, oh, I do. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy by myself. I uh, this is this is a, a good lifestyle for me. But I do need uh, contact with other people, um, and yeah. and getting it online is 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 kind. Of, I mean, I'm 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 introverted. Uh, I'm happy alone. I'm happier alone than I am with like someone constantly around me. So that part's fine. But interacting with other people, like right now, I've got five boats around me with people on them that I know and we go surfing together and spearfishing and I can at any point go to someone else's boat and hang out. But I've always got my space, my cave back here on the boat where there's no other people and that's good for me. Mm -hmm. But I love, but I like having the podcast cause I talk to somebody new every week, make a new friend every week. Um, yeah, I like, I like online community for sure. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's really important for writers. That's something that I talk about a lot with, um, so I have a membership for writers. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I've heard from the current members that they appreciate the most is just having that accountability, that community. You know, we get together a few times a week and we just do silent writing. So we come on, we talk about what we're going to do. Then we turn the cameras and the microphone off and we just work for 25 minutes and then we come back and report in. And it's, you know, people get stuff done. They're focused. They know that time is going to be for writing, but then they can also talk about if there's a problem or if there's a, you know, a plot point they need help with. So it's just a, an opportunity to have that sense of community, which sometimes can be all make all the difference in whether you keep going or not. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's easy to just screw around on social media and mess with your website a little bit and feel like you got a day's work in, but you didn't actually write anything. Yeah. So yeah, to being accountable, just like I was saying with alcoholism, like you, being accountable helps. Yeah, for sure. So I want to go back to something else that you mentioned. So you do yoga, you meditate. And that's another thing that I talk about a lot with um, people who want to write books and, you know, are, are looking to kind of take back their creativity. And I, I really believe that having a mindfulness practice is super important, right? So I, I'm interested in how you feel about that. Obviously it's important to you, but you know, how do you think it helps you as far as your writing? Uh, golly. I mean, the, the yoga is obvious for its physical benefits because I'm, I'm 52 years old and I'm surfing and I'm sailing and like my body needs to be flexible and healthy or else I'll, I'll get, you know, hurt often. Like <laughs> I'll get I get beat up by waves like you wouldn't believe. Um, and the yoga it keep, prevents injury, you know, and allows me to be athletic. Um, keeping your mind straight and meditating. Okay, so what meditation is to me, it's not only like peaceful and beautiful. It is mind control. It's like going to the gym for your brain. It's like it's learning to control your mind. It's an exercise. I mean, to me, meditation means no thoughts in my brain. And, that, and that's difficult to pull off for one second. Even, even, even after doing it every day for a few years, sometimes I'll count. One of my methods is to count. Like, okay, how many seconds can I go without a thought? And I'll be like, one. <laughs> I count breaths. Two, three, and then I'm back to one. One. Because <laughs> you start over every time a thought comes up. <laughs> yeah. Like one, two, one, two, three, one, one. I, I rarely get up past like six because, but, but it's the exercise that matters. What you're, what you're doing is you're, you're learning to control your mind and that allows you to have, um, more discipline. It allows you to control your emotions. Um, I think it helps with everything because our brain controls everything we do. And, and speaking of emotions, I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah. like the whole point of art. I think that's one of the insights I had when I was a musician uh, that what we're doing on stage is the the main the main thing we're trying to do on stage is elicit an emotional response in the audience, and it's it's the same thing for a painting that hangs in a, on the wall in a gallery. Uh, it's the same thing for a book. It's the same thing for any art. That's that's if not the mo big goal. It's 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 one of the main goals of art is to elicit emotions. So controlling your own uh, and and um, being aware of them is part of the deal. And, and that's also necessary for uh, sailing. I started meditating because uh, I was not a sailor and I just bought a boat that was a thousand miles away from where I lived. I needed to get it back home. And the only way to do it was to sail offshore in three legs, uh, three, three legs that were all each 300 or so miles long. And uh, one of the things you have to do when you're sailing by yourself is sleep 15 or 20 minutes at a time. That's it. So I didn't know mm. if I could do that. And uh, I thought meditation would help. And also when you're sailing offshore, particularly alone, when things get ugly or scary or, or something on, on something bad happens, uh, it, can, it can be pretty dramatic. And you have to be in complete control of your emotions. You have to look at this crazy situation. Your boat's leaning over at 45 degrees. The, the sails are wrong. There's too much wind. It's chaos. There's loud noise. It looks like everything's about to break. You have to stop and, and calmly look at it and think what needs to be done and what are the steps? And then you go through all the steps and you think, okay, what's the first step? 
what are what are a couple of mistakes I might make? How am I going to avoid those mistakes? Okay, and and then safety. How am I going to stay safe while I'm doing it? You get all that in your head. And meanwhile, the sails are going crazy. Your boat's leaning over. The waves are hitting you. There's it's dark. It's it's just a chaotic situation. You're and you have to you have to be able to go through that mental process. And uh, so all that all that comes into play when you're writing as well. You've got to be able to say, I am going to sit down. I am going to turn on Microsoft Word, and I'm going to sit here and make some stuff happen. Even though I don't know what's going to happen in my story today, I'm not going to let that stop me because I never know what's going to happen in the story today. It doesn't, you don't know unless you have a plot. You know, if you've got a plot, then you, yeah, then you do know. That's pretty freaking helpful. Most of the time, you don't know, and you're going to sit down. Or i got to write short stories, too. Like I, I write a short story every, every month from my newsletter. I never know what's going to happen in a short story. You, 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 you got to, but you got to, you got to sit down and start. You got to have the, the mental control yeah. and the confidence that you're going to be able to pull it off. And that's, and that's what I think is the hardest step at all. It's like clicking that little word icon on my computer and pulling up that blank page and, and yeah. getting the words flowing. But, but it's mind control and meditation helps mind control builds it. Yeah. Do you also journal? Yes. Um, that's how all of my sailing nonfiction books come about. They're all, they all cool. start off as a journal. So as a sailor, you have to keep a log. It's, it's actually a legal requirement. When you're, when you're sailing offshore, uh, every, every hour or two or three, you need to take note of the wind speed and the wind direction and the boat speed and the boat direction and your GPS coordinates and the weather conditions and anything else that might be relevant. That's, that's like not only sailor tradition, but it's actually law, maritime law. If you get into trouble, if you have an accident, somebody falls overboard, your ship's log is going to be sequestered by the court. <laughs> so you better, mm -hmm. you better have one. Now, so all you got to do to write a sailing nonfiction adventure, you, first you recognize I'm on a cool adventure. I'm going to make a book out of it. So then whenever you break out your log to write down the data, you also write what's going on, how you feel, what do you see? What are you thinking about right now? What emotion? What's your emotional state? Um, you know, what is there a sunset? Are there clouds? Are there stars? Have you seen some shooting stars tonight? Are there dolphins? You know, there's just so much more you can write, and and you and you pull all that stuff out of you and you write it down, and then when the when the journey's over, you put all that on the computer and then you edit it for the, for the next year, and and a year later you've got a, a a book, you know, sailing nonfiction. So yeah, I do journal. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. So for me, meditation and journaling kind of go hand in hand. So it's, you know, it's like you said with the meditation, it's the mind control piece, but also for me, journaling it like I do, I subscribe to the whole Julia Cameron morning pages, just write three pages of anything, whether it's drivel, junk, the same word over and over anything just to get some, get the stuff out of your head and just clear the space. Um, and I've been doing that. I was doing it on and off for a long time. And then I finally got serious about it, you know, maybe eight, nine years ago. And I've been doing it ever since. And I think that's really the only way that I've gotten to, you know, to be able to focus enough on my writing to actually get it done. Because for me, getting all that stuff out of my head just opened up the channel for, the real focus that I needed to have, because before that it was just, everything was just swirling around up there and I couldn't even <laughs> pick a thought right out yeah. of all of them to, to think about. Um, so yeah, journaling for like, for me, that's like a non-negotiable, like this morning I did not get to journal and I can feel it. Like my whole day has been off. Oh. What's the name of the person you just mentioned? Julia Cameron. She wrote the artist's way. Hers is all about, you know, finding your way back to creativity and kind of looking at all of the things that might have kept you from it or taken you away from it, you know, whether it's the nasty teacher in the fourth grade who told you you can't write and it's stuck in your head huh. or, you know, just all the things that have built up and, and stopped you from doing your creative work. And she's got some basic foundational principles and morning pages are one of them. Um, artist dates are another. So that's where once a week you take yourself out on a date. It doesn't have to be expensive, but you, just something to kind of bring that joy and playfulness back to your life. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of reconnect with that side of you. And cool. yeah, so that book has saved my, my Good. life. I'll, I'll read it. Um, I'm not reading a, a writing book right now, so I need to. And, and I, and I totally agree. I've been, I, I don't journal often. I actually the last couple of months I've not been journaling cause I'm not writing a sailing nonfiction right now, but I've been thinking, I've been trying to draw from what I learned in music cause I've been a musician like 
since the eighties, you know, since the early eighties. Um, and I've, I got, I, in my own mind, I'm a, like really good guitar player. <laughs> I learned a lot about yeah. it. I can write music. I can pick up a guitar and write a song right now. Like I, I got mm-hmm. very good at improvisation and writing music. So I'm better at that than I am at writing stories. Like, could I, could I just write a story right now? Well, it, it'd be like pulling teeth. Like I could probably pull it off, but, but if it, but okay. So why am I better at music doing that? Well, because I improvised, I practiced every day and I improvised every day. What's improvisation? Improvisation is exactly what you just said about your morning writing routine. Three pages, doesn't matter what it is. It just needs to be done. That's what improv is. When you're not, when you're not good at improv mm-hmm. yet, you just need to be playing notes and chords that's not a cover tune. It doesn't matter if they sound good or not. You just need to be doing it. And if you can't do that, then you just play scales. You know, you run scales. And then you start putting variations into the scales. And then you start adding a chord here and there. And, and then, you know, and that's the very beginning of improv. Later, when you get good at it, you just pick up the guitar and you start playing. And it sounds like a song, but it's just improv. And, um, you know, as a lead guitar player, you need to be able to do that on stage subconsciously. That's what happens mm-hmm. in the, you know, towards the end when you're good at it. You're playing with the band. Now it's your time for the guitar solo. You don't have a guitar solo made up. You, you just you just listen to the other musicians and you play and something comes out and you're you're basically just channeling music from some unknown source, like literally. Um, and I want to be better at that writing. And I, I think what you just said is what you got to do. You've got to you've got to improv with words. It's so much easier too to like pick up my journal. Like, I don't care what I, cause before when I first started journaling way back when I was probably what in college, you know, I was one of those people. And, and a lot of people get tri- tripped up by this when they're journaling is, you know, it's gotta be perfect. I've got to have the nice notebook and I have to have good handwriting and I have to have something to say. No, you just pick up anything. It doesn't have to be, you can buy a nice notebook if you want, but you can pick up a crappy 99 cent spiral bound, whatever, and just write crap in it for, you know, 20 minutes and you're good, but it's easier to do that now for me um, in my journal than it is when I open up that document to write the, the book. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, because with music, y- you're just playing and it goes away. Like when the, when, the, when the note, you know, quits ringing, it's gone. Like you're not recording. So it's, it's easier. You don't yeah. have, when I'm painting or when I'm writing, I tend to think this is going to live, you know, this is going to, this is going to live on yeah. and I'm going to be judged by it. It has to be good. You know, I, I could never just sketch with my oils. I had to make a, a nice oil painting every time. I should have been sketching, you know. I should have been sketching and throwing it yeah. away. I should have been sketching on scrap wood or scrap paper and then just burning it. But I didn't. I probably would have been a lot better of an artist if I did that more. Um, and I need to do that more with words. But um, And I've got, I've got notebooks all over the place. Like, like there's two right here, you know. And look, there's, there's two more. There's another one over here. <laughs> They're all over yeah. my boat. I've got all, so many notebooks. There's no excuse, and I've got a computer. I could, yeah. I, I want. I, I'm. I'm committing myself right now to doing exactly what you just said. I'm going to do it. Good, 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 good. But you, you're right. It's like we get stuck on this idea of perfection that we have, and I. And you know, I tell the people that that I teach too, like, don't worry about it. Right? It's your first draft is going to suck. Just let it suck. But it's so easy to say that to others and help them figure that out than it is to actually like look at yourself and stick to it, I think. Cause I still struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, well, I love that advice. Like you can't edit a blank page, you know, and, and um, yeah, I, I listen to writing podcasts all the time and they all say like, Oh yeah, first drafts, you know, suck. They always suck. They're garbage, but it's, but it's something, it's a starting place. And um, yeah, I, I embrace yeah. that when I'm, when I'm writing, I'm writing a first draft right now of a, of another, another novel. Um, and uh, Every now and then I'm like, oh, that was a good sentence. But usually I'm like, God, this is just every sentence is just crap, you know. But 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 there's a I'm I'm writing something. Things are happening. There's action, you know. There's action and there's plot. <laughs> but the, but I, but I, then I think, yeah, I'll, I'll make those words better later. You know, I'll make those sentences better later. Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough process, but yeah, you got to you got to just sit down and but do it. But it's worth it. Oh gosh, it's so worth it. Yep. There's nothing better than knowing that I've got books out there. You know what, you know what there's really nothing better than literally is the two books I wrote about alcoholism. When, when people tell me that they got sober because they read one of my books, there's no better feeling in the world than that. It's better than I literally, I feel good right now just saying it. Um, it, it gives me a physical good feeling and 
also it gives me peace because because I, I, I I've done something good for the world through it, you know. Um, yeah. So many jobs that you can make money at don't make the world a better place. They're, you're just you're just like pulling money from somewhere, uh, and some make the world a worse place. A lot of jobs make the world worse, you know. Like I'm not right. going to point fingers, but it's easy to come up with them, you know. It's easy, it's easy to see like yeah. how a lot of people make oh, yeah. money by destroying things or. <laughs> You know, or, or right. selling or selling addictive drugs is one. You know, it would be they legal or not? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. writing a good book that's gonna that's gonna make the world a little bit better is is um, even even like my first book is like so simple, and I'm, I'm making it an audio book right now, so I'm reading it again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's punctuation errors in it, <laughs> the sentence structure is terrible, the paragraph structure is bad. I'm like, oh gosh, it doesn't matter that book has helped thousands of people get sober. It makes me feel better than anything. Yeah. When I die and think like, Oh my, did I, did I do anything worthwhile? Yeah. Yeah. I helped people get sober. It's, it's a, uh, my favorite accomplishment. That's amazing. And I know what you mean. I got an email this morning from someone who wrote to me. Um, she thanked me for my books and she said, you know, her husband is also a fan of the type of books that I write. Um, she, she said he's going through cancer and his prognosis is very good, but he's also, you know, it's been a stressful time. Obviously she was also a cancer survivor and they've been reading the books like through his treatments and it's really just made them happy. And she thanked me for bringing them some joy. And that just made oh, yeah. me feel it, right? good. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, you made the, yeah. you made the world a better place with your book. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Creating art is uh, honest work, you know. Definitely. Creating stuff. Yeah. So, what kind of book are you working on now? I am working on a novel that is uh, so. So, this, here's how this one started. They all they all have something to do with my life. Uh, I've been solo on the boat for, since 2019 and every now and then I would get to thinking like, should I, should I have, you know, a woman here with me? Like, should I, should I try to be like at least attracting someone or, cause there's always people that want to get on boats. You know, you see them on Facebook, you can, you can go to crew finder or crew bay. Uh, there's Facebook groups, you know, sailing hitchhikers. So anyway, somebody recommended somebody on Facebook who knew me said, Hey, there's a, there's a woman right near you. 35-year-old woman who uh, wants to uh, get on a boat and go south. I mean, you're going south. I was in the Bahamas. I'm like, I'm like oh, why not? Why not give this a try? So I met this, this woman and um, took her on board, and she spent, about, she spent about a month on the boat with me. Well, meanwhile, my, my mother and my sister are getting all paranoid. <laughs> and they ask me, they ask me before I realized they were paranoid, they're like, Paul, will you send us uh, a photograph of you every day? Like a proof of life. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, oh, they want to, I guess they want to see that I'm happy. I, I, I didn't understand it. I'm like, what are they, what's going through their heads? You know? I mean, Hey, first off, I don't really understand women too well, but I really did not get what was going through my sister. My mother said, so later I talked to my dad and he says, Oh, Paul, they're, they're worried. She's going to kill you and take your boat and then, and then impersonate you with tech. Yeah. So that's why they want the photo every day. And then they then they wanted like photos that like kind of proved it was it was today because they started thinking like she could just use old photos and send us an old photo. <laughs> I think they should be uh, mystery authors. Well, yeah. So that's what the new book is. That's what happened to the nice. new book. Yeah. So far, I've got like I'm not I'm not trying to make her into a bad person. I figured he's going to fall overboard. She's going to feel guilty about it because because she makes maybe a couple of mistakes and then like puts a whole bunch of guilt on herself. And then, like the sister calls, you know, the sister, the sister texts, you know, and, and he's gone. She spent she spent like two or three days like out on the ocean trying to find him, and she couldn't, you know. I mean, she did. She, she's okay, she's all right, you know. Well, now she's got to decide. Now she's got to face the sister. Like, do you fess up? Well, she didn't. She didn't fess up. She just responded, "All's well," which is a phrase that. That the, that the lost guy always used, you know, she looked at the, at the texting at the phone and was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I don't want to talk to him about it right now. Well, that led to a whole system of, of deception. And, and then the mother and the, and the sister start catching on to it. And then, and then I'm adding a little mental illness. Like she starts believing her own lie. She starts impersonating this guy and then starts kind of thinking that she really is him. And, uh, 
And then the mother and the sister come to the Bahamas to try and confront her and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff's happening now. And, and then anyway, it, <laughs> it's, so it's kind of fun. Um, I'm only like, awesome. yeah, I'm only like 30,000 words into it and I've already like, I'm already like kind of close to the end. So I've got to like, you know, triple its size, but that'll happen yeah. with revisions, you know, and editing. Yeah. But that's the book I'm working on now. Yeah. I don't, I, I kind of have a nonfiction going too. I'm just, um, I'm not writing like a chronological sailing adventure right now, but, I, but I've got so many stories collected, uh, that I've written and haven't published. I'm going to try to come up with, uh, a book that's just a whole bunch of cool things. And I'm going to interview, I've got some people I want to interview that live here too, that have had some cool experiences, locals. There's so much cool local culture here. There's, there's native Americans here that still paddle around in dugout canoes. And, and oh. there's all the typical central American uh, culture as well. So that you've got, you've got like practically stone age people living right next to sailors living right next to a, a small central American community. Uh, it's also a surf town. You know, yeah, this, this is this is a surf destination mm -hmm. too. So you've got a whole wide variety of cultures here. Um, I, I could definitely spend a lot of time here. I, I, the one thing I want to do for a nonfiction is is um, get into one of the Native American communities here. There's there's a big one called Kusapin about 30 miles away. It's a self-governed Native American area with no roads, no access to roads just jungle, straight yeah. jungle and beaches and boat access only. And they, I mean, they're, they don't even speak Spanish. They speak in Gobe. Uh, and I, I met a bunch of them last time because there's a, because there's a surfing spot right there that we go to sometimes. And, uh, you got to walk through two of their communities to get to the beach and you got to meet them and talk to them. And uh, some of them speak Spanish. None of them speak English. And I only speak like uh, rudimentary Spanish, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, there's amazing culture here. Yeah, and and in the Bahamas too. There's uh, I met some uh, commercial spear fishermen in the Bahamas last time I was there. Just recently, what a life they live! They go out for like three, four days, and see, they were in the same area I was in for a while. So I'd hear them on the VHF radio. Like we leave our radios on, uh, and, and sixteen mm -hmm. is like the channel that everybody has on to when you call someone. You call them on sixteen, and then you switch to a different channel to talk. Well, these guys just talk on sixteen, so you just hear them start talking. And they say some funny stuff, you know. A storm was coming, and, and uh, the, the captain of one boat is there's a big boat, and then there's like a whole bunch of small boats. And the captain says, uh, he's like, it's here, it's here, batten down the hatches. And then after he says a whole bunch of stuff, he goes, I say so. <laughs> and, then he, and then he goes, comes on later, and he goes, he goes, you gotta tie up your dinghies, tie up your dinghies, you gotta be careful because you're, cause you're all drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, but I met one of these guys and they're mm -hmm. hardcore. They spearfish all day and, and there's sharks. I mean, I'm telling you, there's sharks all over the place in the Bahamas. You can't go spearfishing without seeing a shark. And, and just to do that all day for your, is your job super hardcore. I want to, I want to yeah. write a book about those guys. Maybe, maybe, maybe get on their boat and hang with them a little bit. And yeah, that's wild. Yeah. There's so much out there in the world. There, there's, there's so much to see and do, um, and, and write about, you know, gosh, some adventures all over the place. And you're getting to do it. So it's so your story is just amazing and inspiring and I love it. I, I really love that you came on and you're sharing this with my listeners. So thank you so much. Thanks. I love talking about it. I'm getting I'm getting like fired up over here. That's talking awesome. about all this stuff. Awesome. You know? Well, before we go, where can people find you and find your books? So you can find everything at Paultrammel.com. It's P-A-U-L-T-R-A-M-M-E-L-L dot -L -L com. Um, you can find my podcast, Offshore Sealing and Cruising, at any podcast outlet. You can look up Paul Trammell on Amazon and find all my books there. And, uh, and I've been recording his audio books, too. Until They Bury Me is an audio book. Uh, the Joy of Living Clean and Sober is also an audio book. I mean, just released. I've just started doing it. You know, I got this microphone here. Got to put it to use, you know. Absolutely. But, but it's fun. I, I, you know, I mean, it's work. Holy cow. Recording six hours worth yeah. of reading, reading out loud and getting six hours of, of material recorded is quite a project. But, um, you know, a lot of people only listen to audiobooks. A lot of people don't read books, you know, they want to, yeah. but they don't, they don't, they listen to audiobooks. So there's a whole market out there. Do you, do you do any of his audio? Yeah. So my, two of my three series are on audio. Oh, great. Is it you or is it someone else reading? It's not me. Yeah. No, no, no. They, they hire actors. No, I'm not. Um, that's not my forte. I'm not a very good actress in that sense. I, I know my limits. I'm better at putting the words down than, you know, acting them out. So yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a project. Yeah. I, um, 
for my um, fiction, I I didn't really act I, a little bit. Like I like my inflection changes quite a bit, and the excitement and the volume of my voice goes, you know, changes all. But I don't have like different voices for different characters and stuff. And, and it's basically a guy and a girl. Yeah. I'm not going to try to do a girl's voice, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was it no, was a fun totally. project, but um, but yeah, PaulTrammell.com's got everything on it, um, and I yeah, and I hope people will uh, will go there and look around and and uh, check out check out the books in particular. Got to be selling books, otherwise I got to go back to Florida and be a carpenter someday, and I don't want to do that. No, we don't want you to do that either. That doesn't sound fun. I'll put the links. No, I'll put the links in the show notes so people can find them. So um, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks. I really did too, Liz. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Sail safe. Thanks. Wasn't that a great discussion? And don't you want to hop on a boat and sail off into the sunset now? I mean, honestly, I kind of do, but I don't know how to sail. So that might be the thing that keeps me landlocked. But anyway, if you want to check out Paul's books, you can hit up his website at paultrammel.com. That's P-A-U-L-T-R-A-M-M-E-L-L.com. And I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. Send me a DM on Instagram or send me a message through my website, kateconti.com. And if you could leave a rating or a review for the podcast, I would be so grateful. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.